one of the most important things is actually making these mistakes and making these uh, making some terrible tares, some terrible bowls of ramen. Yeah, you just learn a lot from that. You learn what works and what what tastes good, and uh, yeah, the, the amounts of salt to use and, and, and things like that. So it just kind of comes a bit naturally after a while. I mean, I still make a hell of a lot of mistakes and <laughs> still make terrible ramen, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It just starts coming to you naturally after a while. I think you just start figuring things out. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Way Ramen Podcast. Today we're sitting down and talking to Jonathan Cummins, who many of you might know online as More Ramen. Jonathan is a regular poster on the ramen subreddit and has been making great looking ramen in Norway of all places. Not necessarily what one would think of as a country of ramen eaters. Well before I started this podcast or my YouTube channel, I had actually been admiring Jonathan's work from afar every time I would see him post on Reddit and things. So it was really cool to finally get to meet him and to get to know him a little bit better. So without further ado, here is Jonathan aka More Ramen. But anyways, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's you crazy. are rather famous on on the Reddit and on Instagram for people <laughs> admiring the bowls <laughs> of ramen. So um, uh, I don't know about famous, but yeah, I guess uh, I'm a bit known. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you, um, you're actually in Norway, correct? If I if I remember correctly, and yeah. You're not originally from Norway. So you're making ramen in in Norway. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got started making ramen? That's right. I'm actually living up on the the west coast of Norway, uh, a place called Olesen. It's uh, not much of a ramen scene here, <laughs> but uh, I'm actually originally from Dublin. Uh, I moved here about 15 years ago. So uh, I think about August 2018, I started getting into ramen. Um, I've always kind of been interested in cooking and uh, Asian food. And, you know, uh, instant ramen was always one of my go-to snacks. I never really knew how big ramen was in Japan or uh, that it was such a huge thing. And uh, yeah, I just always associated ramen with instant ramen. Mm-hmm. I just started playing around with that and just adding stuff to my instant ramen and trying to like, you know, pimp up my instant ramen. And then I started researching a bit more. And then eventually, I think like most of us, we found Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Found the, the ramen subreddit and uh, found ramen lord's recipes and that was like <laughs> that was the beginning of it for me uh-huh. was it, I, I was like hooked after that <laughs> i started started trying out a couple of his recipes and then just going on youtube and watching as many videos as i could at the time there wasn't that much content except for uh ramen lord's uh, recipes that, mm. they were like that was like the best resource at the time mm. uh, now it's kind of different there's a lot of people on youtube now doing great tutorials um, but at the time, that was my go-to uh, source. Yeah, man. Yeah, like, really, uh, it started from there. Yeah, like Mike's work has, um, I, I told him, like he's inspired like a whole generation of home ramen cooks all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. He doesn't really realize it. <laughs> um, yeah. So Ireland isn't really a ramen town either, is uh, it? No, I wouldn't say that. I mean, like they're definitely jumping on the wave of the, the ramen wave at the moment. Uh-huh. There's a, a couple of ramen places popping up, but uh, I wouldn't say they're too good. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've tried out a couple of them, but uh, they, they're not the best. <laughs> more like they were. It's more like they were sushi places, and now they've started selling uh, started selling ramen. Yeah, I see, so I popular. see. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm. To try to meet the demand. Oh, interesting. Mm. Had you had you tasted um, a, a bowl of real ramen before you started making it, or was it instant ramen to making ramen? That's the thing. I never tried a real proper bowl of ramen, so it was all just what I read about online and trying to figure it out what it should taste like. It was actually a while before I actually tasted a, like a, a proper bowl of ramen. <laughs> so before that, I was I was just like kind of making it up in my head what it should actually taste like. Uh-huh. Just, just kind of imitate what I seen online. Just to yeah. kind of like make it look like that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it was, uh, I think maybe uh, four or five months after I really got into it that I actually tasted my first bowl, proper bowl of ramen. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about like your first bowls of ramen? What did you try to do? And what was the first thing you tried to make on your own? Uh, oh God. <laughs> I think I just started like making like chicken stock from scratch and just adding soy sauce and some mirin and just like throwing whatever I thought would work into the bowl. <laughs> that was first, that was before I found uh, Mike's uh, recipes on Reddit. Uh-huh. So that's when I, then I started trying to make some Thai myself. Uh-huh. Uh, but access to the ingredients here in Norway, especially where I live, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, um, yeah, it's not great. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to source the ingredients uh, where I'm from to uh, actually make a proper bowl of ramen. I actually have a question on that. For, so I'll just ask his question now because it seems like a natural place to ask it. So Tom from, from, Tom from Vermont, excuse me, um, says, yeah. I think you're in Norway. How hard is it finding ingredients over there? Also, thanks for Incredibly sharing your hard. openness and for sharing all your learning. <laughs> it's really helpful. When developing yeah. a new recipe, do you start with a certain component and then spread out and find things that complement it? Or for example, you might start with a specific tare then go and, and go, um, I think my new tare, I'd like tori python might work well for this. So I guess like how hard is it to find ingredients there in Norway, first of all? It's uh, it's pretty hard. I mean, we have like uh, Asian food stores, but mm-hmm. uh, they don't really sell a lot of uh, products from Japan. Uh, they mostly come from China and they're kind of lower quality. I see, I see. So it's kind of, I mean, I can get kombu, but it's it's uh, pretty low quality from China. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tastes terrible, to be honest. <laughs> so um, my first couple of tares were not great. Uh, they were really briny and tasted of the sea because of this uh, low-quality uh, kombu. Uh-huh. But we have one uh, Japanese uh, food store, and that's in Oslo. That's about uh, 700 miles from where I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I, I travel through there quite frequently. So anytime I'm in Oslo, I go to this place and I resupply. I'm kind of in a similar situation because I'm in Hawaii, but Hawaii is like, seven or eight islands depending on what you want to count and um yeah. i have to fly to another island to actually go to a store that has the things that i need so whenever i'm okay, there, yeah. I, I buy things and i fly it back <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's pretty much the same as me yeah yeah, yeah. cool mm. um so so you went from instant ramen to trying out ramen lords things online before even having a proper bowl of ramen when did you actually taste that first bowl of real ramen did you go to japan or something or did you find a shop locally no, I, yeah, I actually haven't been to Japan. I mean, it's number one on my uh, list of oh, wow. places that I want to go to. Um, so, yeah. But uh, no, there's actually a couple of ramen places in Oslo mm-hmm. um, that have popped up in uh, recent years. There's, um, I think there's uh, six or seven now. So, yeah, I visited one of these places on a trip to Oslo. And that was my uh, first uh, proper bowl of ramen. And what was your experience? Like, what did you think about it? Was it like, oh, I could do better, better than this? Or was it like, oh, this is amazing? 
Uh, no, not at all. I was kind of blown away <laughs> how different it was to what I'd be making. <laughs> I was I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I kind of told it on this show before. My first experience, like why I started making ramen, is I went to a new ramen shop locally, and I had high expectations, and then I was so disappointed. I tried to do it at home, and it turned out terribly. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sparked the joy of making ramen because understanding how hard it is to make it correctly, you really gain the yeah. appreciation for it. Yeah. yeah, it's it's incredibly difficult to get right. But each time I visited one of these ramen places in Oslo, it kind of like set the bar for me. Mm-hmm. So I would go back home and then like try to remember the tastes and uh-huh. try to recreate that again <laughs> and source source better ingredients to, uh, because it was impossible with, with what I had. Um, but yeah, the, I went. I kept going back there and trying like the shio and the shoyu and the, the kunkutsu and their miso or whatever special they had on and. Yeah, just trying to remember that bowl and go back and just try replicate that taste again. What's your favorite style of ramen right now? Uh, right now, I'm kind of obsessed with perfecting the shoyu. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess, like most people, uh, tonkotsu was um, my favorite for a while. Yeah, tonkotsu is the gateway drug. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I spent uh, I spent many many weekends uh, boiling pork bones and. Trying to perfect it and get it, you know, creamy white, and yeah. So uh, yeah, that was probably the one I was first kind of obsessed with. Now I'm kind of going back to basics. I took a break for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started like experimenting with other things. I did a bit of fermentation and just wanted to put it on the back burner for a while. I think it's mm-hmm. good to take a break once in a while. Yeah, I think when uh, I first joined Instagram, a, a lot of your posts were about fermentation and making like sauerkraut and kimchi yeah, and things yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> That was that was me on my fermentation break. <laughs> <laughs> well, I learned a lot from that too, and uh, you know, it's it's just good to come back with a kind of clean slate. Yeah, so yeah. now I want to go back to basics and just kind of like start in a clean slate and just you know, just start with a couple of ingredients and just build up from there. What was the reason that you wanted to take a break? Were you just getting kind of tired of making ramen, or just looking for something yeah. new and fun to do? I I think both. I think I kind of hit of a wall, hit a mm-hmm. bit of a wall. Mm-hmm. and uh i was just kind of getting tired of doing the same thing over and over and i just wanted to try something new i, I guess i was inspired because of this uh ramen place in oslo it's a uh, i don't know if you've heard of it it's called Hrimner ramen it's a hard name to pronounce Hrimner. <laughs> uh, no i've never heard of it okay well it's a it's a ramen shop in oslo and uh, all of their ramen is uh kind of based on uh new nordic cuisine Oh. Kind of like you know what what Noma? Have you heard of Noma? No, no. It's a three mission star restaurant in uh, Denmark that was rated the best restaurant in the world. Oh wow! Basically, they do a, a lot of fermentation, and uh, they're kind of like a no waste restaurant, and they locally source all their ingredients. Mm. So Frimner, they uh, all of their ramen is made from uh, locally sourced Scandinavian ingredients, and they use a lot of fermentation. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, they make their own shoyu from uh, coffee grounds, but they ferment them and they did a lot of a lot of crazy stuff. So I went there a couple of times and I've been speaking with the chef on Instagram there. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he kind of inspired me to get into fermenting. <laughs> uh, yeah, we <laughs> played with that for a couple of months and now I'm back into ramen again. Have you tried to incorporate some of that stuff into the ramen making? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I started making uh, kombucha and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I was told by the chef in, um, in this uh, restaurant that you can actually use that as a, 
Uh, you can use it to braise your meat in. So I actually tried making oh. chashu from uh, braising kombucha. Um, yeah, I haven't done too much more than that, but I have some ideas and plans that I want to work in, work on in the near. So see how oh. it goes. So you've been developing like your own recipes now, as far as like your, I got a lot of questions actually about your chashu because that's kind of like people see that, you know, <laughs> on the internet and stuff. And like, how do you, yeah. how is he even doing that? But how do you go about developing your new recipes? And so I got a couple of questions like Matsudai Ramen, um, James over in, um, where is he? Wales, he's in Wales. He asked this question. What's your recipe writing process, I guess? How do you develop new recipes? Huh. That's a tough question. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just keep trying things. You probably, I don't post everything that I make on Instagram. Uh, it's a lot of failures and a lot of terrible ramen. I mean, really, I should post them up too to show my mistakes, but uh, I just kind of like try a lot of new things and then if I find something that works, a combination of things that work, um, that kind of inspires me to write a recipe for that particular bowl that I made that was a success or or if I made a really good shoyu tare, then I just, I make a note of what I did, the steps and the ingredients and that kind of, like I have a list of recipes that I haven't even put up in my blog yet. Oh, wow. That I, I want to work on in the new year. It's things that I've made that I thought were really good. My blog is really just a journal for me to learn from mm-hmm. and to see where I started and the mistakes I made. And uh, yeah, just it's just part of my learning process really. So um yeah, the stuff up there might not always be great, but it's yeah, like I said, it's just it's a learning aid for me. Yeah, yeah, I kind of do the same thing yeah. too. Like I have a notebook, and I also everything that I put up is just this is what I did, and it's not that great, but you know. Yeah. Um. So do you start when you when you're creating a new bowl? Like, are you starting with the tare first, or are you starting with the soup first? Where do you start from? Um. I think I probably start with the tare because I have it large stock of uh chintan and python uh, in my freezer so i just kind of like i know i have them there so i'm just kind of like toying with the tares really and they're uh, trying to come up with new tare recipes at the moment uh-huh. how do you so how I've do you go up... oh go ahead go ahead sorry no i've just like i've just come up with like uh one a new miso tare just went back to basics stripped down and uh, I'm pretty happy with that. That's something I want to write a blog post about and uh, also uh, show you today that uh, I've been working on as well. How, do you, how did you learn how to make them? Like, or how do, what's your process in creating these new tatties? Because I generally, like, because I'm still learning, I don't really know much. I'm, when I try to make my own tatties, they're pretty mm. crappy compared to like, I have like these books. I don't know if you can actually see my camera, but I have like Japanese books on tare making and stuff. And mm-hmm. When I try to copy those, they come out really good. And then when I try to do my own thing, based upon things that like, oh, this seems like it would work, it really doesn't taste anything close to one of these Japanese recipe books. Like, how? What's your process in creating your own tare recipe? Because that seems like the most important thing of creating ramen. It's like your personality mm-hmm. and what you want to come yeah. through comes out from the tare. Like, sure. how do you? Where do you start, and how do you go through that? Um. I guess sometimes I just pick a flavor maybe that I want to highlight and I, I try to make the tare highlight that flavor in, in a way or sometimes it's just a, like a, a combination of different things that I've read, different recipes and I just kind of, 
I've done that a lot where I've read like several recipes and I kind of take a bit from each one and things that I like and processes that I like from another recipe and just kind of combine it into my own. I never really follow the recipe I find online to the T. I just kind of make it, I always think you should make it your own and uh, add your own twist to it. And you just learn things as you go along, as you make mistakes. One of the most important things is actually making these mistakes and making these, uh, making some terrible tades and terrible bowls of ramen. Yeah, you just yeah. learn a lot from that. You learn what works and what, what tastes good and uh, yeah, the, the amounts of salt to use and, and, and things like that. So it just kind of comes a bit naturally after a while. I mean, I still make a hell of a lot of mistakes and <laughs> still make terrible ramen. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, it just starts coming to you naturally after a while. I think you just start figuring things out. How did you, was, could you share like something that was, that you thought was going to come out really good and then it was just terrible? Uh, <laughs> I remember in the early days, I thought I would be like super creative and make like a Norwegian inspired uh, ramen. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was based on a Norwegian dish. I thought it'd be really cool, uh, but it was, uh, it was absolutely awful. <laughs> it, was, it was terrible. It was like a lamb based uh, stew that they have here. So I tried to turn it into a ramen and yeah, yeah that was an absolute failure. <laughs> How do you yeah. how do you go back and when when you have like a big failure like that what is your next step usually do you try to work on it until it gets better or do you like okay well I'm not gonna try that again for a while I'm gonna go on to something else and then maybe in the future I'll come back to it. Uh, well, if it was absolutely terrible and uh-huh. like obvious that it was never gonna work, then you know I just throw that idea in the trash and move on. <laughs> uh, sometimes I mean like you try something and it doesn't work. I just you feel a bit like disheartened and like, oh yeah. God, I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to figure this out. So I just take a bit of time and then I don't think about it for a while. And then the ideas start coming back to me. I start working on Instagram and stuff. And I start getting inspired again. And then the ideas start coming back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just good to just take a step away from it for a while and then come back. So you, so you said that you kind of, recently have been going back to like the basics you started from scratch with misotare and shoyutare like what yeah. what does that look like for you like when you go back to the basics of creating something like this like what do you start with the first building blocks of that um some good quality uh misotare uh, sorry uh, miso mm. and just build it up from there before i just kind of like threw everything in mm-hmm. there were so many ingredients in my misotare i was just adding stuff because i thought it would add more umami mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was kind of hard to distinguish anything. I mean, it was okay. I mean, it tasted good. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to go back to basics and just start with some good quality miso and um, just build it up from there. Just add a few ingredients. And, yeah. Just so are you making multiple batches? Like you're doing one with just like three or four ingredients and then, okay, this tastes like this. What if I add this? And you're doing like a second batch. Is that how you do this? Or are you just kind of uh like what's your process um, yeah i'll just i'll like maybe have an idea and i'll just make one small batch of the miso tare maybe enough for like two bowls for me and my uh my uh my partner uh-huh. um and just try it out and uh see how, how it is and then just go from there really oh, okay. i uh, probably wouldn't make a big batch i just you know start making these small test batches and, and scale it up then if i like it and you're adding like one ingredient at a time, one new thing to the mix, or? Um. Well, yeah. Each test batch, I'll oh. I'll, uh, I'll do that. Yeah. 
it seems like a lot of miso ramen to eat if you're, when you're developing a tare you gotta make like yeah you know, however many, <laughs> many batches you have to make that i eat a lot of ramen <laughs> <laughs> that's the hard part for me because i love making ramen but I know it's not very healthy for you, so I, tr- I try my best not to eat it so often, but it's almost like you have to eat it to get better at making it. So, But I yeah, love the it. process of making it, and so it's kind of like my, my I'm just trying to like work out more, do more like intermittent fasting kind of stuff, because mm. I don't know, it's kind of like a catch-22 for me, because I love the process of getting better and making ramen, but it's like, oh, I know it's if I eat it too much, it's not really good for me. No, that's true. But, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a price we have to pay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, let's see. We had a lot of questions here, so we can start filtering them in one at a time. Yeah. Um, so the so this is an interesting one because you of the story that you told of how you got into ramen. So Papa Shasta asks, what's your favorite instant ramen hacks or additions to instant ramen? Huh. Um... Well, I wouldn't say they're quick hacks, <laughs> but uh, probably like sous vide some chicken breast and <laughs> throw it on. Um, uh, I don't know, just add some uh, some good vegetables. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I'm not really sure. I can't even remember <laughs> what I used to make. Uh-huh. Uh, I used to just throw all kinds of things into the bowl. Oh, so it was more like your your first bowls of ramen were like you would make the instant ramen and then just the toppings would change and try to find toppings that hey. matched. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, I mean, I used to throw like random stuff in, like carrots and uh-huh. radish and all all kinds of stuff, and just uh, some good steak or whatever. If you look at some of my first uh, posts on Instagram, you'll see some of those those bowls that I used to make. They, they were like my very first ones. That was like using instant ramen noodles and. Uh-huh some chicken stock that I bought in the store. <laughs> Random vegetables on top. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> fry a steak up and slice it and throw it on top too. <laughs> do you do you make your own noodles now or are you using like uh, fresh noodles or something? What do you use for your noodles these days? If I'm making a test bowl, um, I just, I'll just use some instant noodles because mm-hmm. it's just quick and I just want to taste it quick. I don't want to spend hours or wait overnight for mm-hmm. the noodles to rest. But if I'm if I'm happy with something and I really want to make a proper bowl and try out all the components, then yeah, I'll make my own noodles. Oh, cool. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Well, what for noodles, what is your kind of like go-to now? Like, um, are you making specific noodles for each bowl? Like if you have a miso ramen, are you doing like an egg noodle with certain things or like, or do you just have like a standard noodle that you're kind of using for everything? Your favorite I, noodle? I, yeah, I kind of just have like a standard noodle mm-hmm. that I kind of, pretty much make for everything um, oh, it, must, it must taste pretty good if you're if you like it so much where you can just throw it into everything i'm trying to i'm trying to find that for myself too still working yeah on that. I, I i i think that they match most of the bowls that i, I make so uh yeah I've, I've started playing around with now you are making kind of uh what do you call them uh timomi i can't oh the timomi uh the timomi, yeah, well, you, yeah. You, you scrunch up the noodles yeah 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 uh, I did a couple of batches of them recently, and that turned out pretty good. Oh, cool. It's yeah, the soup really kind of like clings to all the the, the crinkles in the uh-huh. noodles, it gives it a different texture. Yeah, that was a fun to play with. Cool, cool. Okay, let's see here. So the ramen otaku asks, "What's the most important detail in creating a bowl of ramen?" Hmm. Ah, <laughs> some tough questions here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, I don't know. It just for me, it's just uh, seeing people enjoy uh, what I've made for them, uh-huh. and uh, you know the look on their face when they sip on the soup, and you can see that they they really enjoy it. Um, that for me is uh, the best, most important part mm-hmm. of ramen for me. Watching everybody else enjoy what I've made. Mm-hmm. Watch it disappear hope- in uh, five minutes after three days of work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's such an ephemeral experience. You know, you yeah. spend days making ramen and then it's gone in twelve minutes. Yep. Are, are you hosting a lot of dinner parties? Is that generally where you're serving your ramen, or what? What are you? Uh, yes, yeah, so, I mean sometimes I have friends over. This mm-hmm. weekend I had. Uh, six guests over, so I was making uh, ramen for six. Cool. But uh, mostly, it's just uh, me and uh, <laughs> my partner, and sometimes my kids. Uh huh. But um, cool. yeah, mostly it's uh, just myself. <laughs> <laughs> Do your kids like ramen? My kid does not like eating ramen. Oh, they love ramen. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Good. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tonkotsu is their favorite. <laughs> oh, tonkotsu is their favorite. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I should try to feed my kid tonkotsu. I I force them to eat like shoyus and stuff. Like, uh, yeah. they're like papa make the white ramen make the white ramen, <laughs> make the white ramen. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's see um so have you ever done do you have like a culinary background is that how you got started with this or is it kind of just something that you is ramen like your your culinary uh expression um yeah i guess so i mean like like i said i've always been interested in food mm-hmm. and making food uh, I've been obsessed with other types of cuisine before, like mm. trying to make the perfect pizza. Uh-huh, I realized yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, it's impossible because I don't have an oven that goes to 400 degrees. Yeah. I went through uh, that exact yeah. same thing. I still have a pizza peel and a baking steel yeah. and all the things in my house. Sticking up I have it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and I, I went through like a pasta phase. And, uh-huh. uh, yeah. All sorts of things. Yeah. I feel like that's a pretty uh, common. No, I, I don't have, uh, go ahead. Uh, I don't have any. I don't have any culinary background, but uh, uh-huh. I've definitely made a lot of food and yeah, have a big interest in it. I feel like that's a pretty common experience with um, going to the trying to make the perfect pizza, and because even I think even Mike mentioned that he went through a similar phase too, where he was trying to make a really good pizza at one point mm-hmm. in time too. It seems like a pretty common thread amongst people that get into making ramen <laughs> for some yeah, reason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just like yeah, trying to. to I, and, and I think I think for Americans, like Americans that are getting into ramen too a big thing that they also get into is trying to make perfect barbecue because American barbecue is like another very labor intensive kind of Mm. like a game of like grams and down to grams and things. And so, yeah, it's like all these like kind of like niche food things people get into and they all end up in ramen for some reason. Yeah. Yeah, Ramen was the one for me. It was just something I could like geek out on. Yeah. 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 Yeah, It's such a, it's such a weird thing because, I mean, in Hawaii, a lot of people eat it because we have so many Asians that live in Hawaii. So everybody's really familiar with the idea of ramen or noodle um, noodle soup kind of things. But yeah, mm. like most people just don't even know what goes into making like a good bowl of ramen. And I think a lot of people still in Hawaii, even though we eat saimin growing up every single day, which is like our Hawaii version of ramen, I think a lot of them don't even know what a really good bowl of ramen tastes like. So it's kind of interesting just to, yeah, yeah. like most people it's just, don't, just say, don't realize. Yeah. yeah, the same over here. I mean, like, most people don't even know, like, they, they associate ramen with the packets of instant ramen. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, uh, it's, only, it's only starting to become popular now. Um, it's, it's more well-known in Oslo, but, like, places where I live, like, you, you say, like, you know, I'm making ramen. I have a blog about ramen. They're like, what? 
<laughs> yeah. about instant ramen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's interesting. At least that they know that ramen is instant ramen because I had some other guests from Australia and from the UK, and they're saying that, I mean, they have pot noodle, you know, and they but they don't know what yeah, ramen. Yeah, they don't even know what ramen is. They just like. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. it's cool that at least in Norway they know the I, the word ramen. Mm. It's, yeah, it's getting more well known. Mm, that's cool. Okay, so this. This question is from Dead Person Eight Hundred Eight, who's also it sounds like he's from Hawaii too, because that's what everybody from Hawaii says. Um, the Eight Hundred Eight part. So, uh, for chicken-based ramen, can you just use regular homemade chicken stock? Uh, regular homemade chicken stock. I, um, yeah. I, I, I guess so. I mean, if it's if you mean it's made by from just normal chickens, uh-huh. I guess so. But um, the the best thing you should do is uh, to use stewing hands if you're going to make a uh, um, stock at home because there's a, a lot more flavor in them. Uh, they're a mature bird and they have a, a lot more umami in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you get a much richer stock from it and you get a, like a, a nice uh, golden yellow color from the fat mm-hmm. and the stock itself. And that looks visually appealing in the bowl too. Yeah, yeah. And the big difference between like standard chicken stocks and ramen stock or ramen soup, it's there's no salt in the soup. I think a lot of people who are getting into ramen, I see even there's recipes online where they're salting the soup and things like that. Do you salt the soup? I actually had another question for that. Or do you just I, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I don't add anything to the to the uh, stock at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, that's. Uh, I keep it plain. I keep it plain because yeah. I um I want to add those things afterwards. Mm-hmm. So I just want to add a component by component, and I just want to know that chicken stock is just pure chicken stock. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I add some salt in there, and then I'm adding some curry later, then it kind of like throws you off. And yeah, yeah, because you can't adjust it first. as well. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's uh, it gives you better control yeah. uh, with the end result. I did um, the same thing. I, I think that's the standard method to make ramen. You never ever add salt to the soup until the no. end. Yeah, I, I've definitely seen recipes where they do add salt to it. Oh. And, uh, yeah, they add like uh, aromatics from the start and they're boiling them for uh, six, seven hours. And, and <laughs> to me, that's to me that's pointless because they uh-huh. just break down and lose any of their arom- aromatic qualities. Uh-huh. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of misinformation and strange recipes online. But uh, if you're going to make chicken stock, in my opinion, just uh, use stewing hands and just, just add the hands and maybe some chicken feet for extra uh, gelatin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I think that's kind of interesting thing where the the American style stocks, at least, I know that the general cons- um, method to make it is you get your your bones or your meat, you put them in a pot, and you throw a bunch of vegetables in, and you put some vinegar and some salt and some herbs, mm. and you just let it boil for whatever, however many yeah. time. But yeah, the the that's a big difference between Japanese ramen stocks, and you don't do that. You add the aromatics typically near the end, last hour or two hours before? Like, what? at what point do you add any kind of aromatics if you're adding vegetables or anything? Um, well, this is just a tip I picked up from uh, Ramen Lord Mike. Uh, uh, he just adds uh, them at the, for the last hour, if he's going to mm-hmm. add them at all. Mm-hmm. But I've just found that I just, I, I don't bother adding any aromatics to the, okay. to the stock. I just want to, I want to be able to, uh, control the end results by adding those components later, like with an aroma oil or something like that, or introducing uh, those flavors or uh, things in the tare. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I don't just keep it 
simple. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Actually, like I actually really enjoyed those bowls too, where it's just chicken, the chicken flavor in there. I've done mm. both where I, I add some things and yeah. Yeah. Okay, let's start to talk about your chashu because that's kind of we got some questions on that. So what what uh, Ryan wants ramen asks, what was the best chashu you've ever made so far? And what did you do to make it? Um, my go-to recipe at the the moment is uh, something my uh, my brother actually uh, told me about. I think he has a couple of chef friends, and they introduced him to this way of cooking uh, pork belly, um, where you wrap it in like heavy uh, foil, mm-hmm. and uh, you cook it on like 150 degrees Celsius for uh, for like three hours, and that kind of like locks everything in, and uh, all the moisture and everything. Um, I've just found that I've had best results with that. I mean, I've tried everything. I've tried braising. I've tried sous-viding, different temperatures, different amounts of time. And uh, the one that I've been most happy with right now is wrapping, rolling the pork belly in the the heavy foil and, uh, yeah, slow cooking it in the oven. I would uh, probably uh, marinate it first overnight uh, to get those flavors into it. So, yeah, there's there's no braising or anything like that. The, The flavors come from the marinade. Wow. And the marinade is kind of like a traditional chashu tare, like a soy-based marinade, or do you have some yeah. different that you think? Oh, okay. Well, I've been trying different things. Like I said, I tried some kombucha and <laughs> different different things. But uh, yeah, what I've been trying now is just making a more kind of traditional uh, soy mirin sake and some uh, spring onions and garlic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I have to try that out because yeah, like I've, I just did a pork shoulder sous vide chashu, which I really liked because I've been doing pork belly for kind of a long time too and kind of yeah. want to try to do other things. So you, you're doing a pork belly in the oven? Is that what you're doing? Like rolling it up and then three um, for three hours in the oven? Yeah, that's that's one thing I'm doing. I also use pork neck as well. Okay. Pork neck is great. It has a lot of uh, nice uh, fat running through the whole thing that uh, kind of renders down nicely. And uh, I tried pork shoulder for the first time this week, last weekend. Uh-huh. I didn't have great, great results with it. It was my first time ever using pork shoulder. Uh-huh. Um, I used the same method that I used for the the pork belly and the, the neck. But it probably wasn't the best method for the shoulder. Oh, like I see. dried out a bit. Um, but uh, I mean, it was okay. It just, yeah, it just didn't turn out how I hoped. One of my failures. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, shoulder is like, I didn't, know, board. I didn't know what to expect with shoulder either because I never worked with it prior, but followed a recipe from one of these books that I have and it kind of came out really, really good. So I think that might be something that I'm going to try to keep doing or, but I, I'm really curious on your, the oven method with the foil. So I want to try that. Hey, out you should too. give it a go. It's a, yeah, yeah. try it on the pork belly. It's a, you get some good results. Cool. Cool. All right. So, oh, I guess you kind of answered this question. Well, what's the most valuable guides to getting started with making ramen? Like books or websites or anything like that, like that you found? This is from Bird of um, the Year. Uh, I'd say uh, start with uh, uh, Mike's recipes on Reddit. Mm-hmm. That's uh, probably the best place to start. There's a couple of good good books out now, actually. Uh, uh, Let's Make Ramen, that just came out. I heard that book's really good. Um, I haven't checked it out yet. Yeah, yeah it's pretty good. Um, I learned quite a few things from that. Um, yeah, I learned uh, some things from uh, uh, the book from Ivan Erkin. Mm-hmm. Um, his book, he uh, details a has a very detailed recipe for uh, shio uh, ramen in that book. And uh, yeah, there's a, a couple of other books. I think the best ones are probably in Japanese, like the one that you showed there. But uh, yeah. personally, for 
if we don't speak Japanese, it's uh, probably not the best resource. Well, well, the thing about that book that I showed you, like, so the, um, there's maybe like six recipes that have the quantities for them. And that's yeah. like, that takes up maybe a less than a quarter of the book. And the rest of the book is like, here's other Thai recipes, but we're not going to tell you how to make them because the chef mm. of that restaurant doesn't want to share his, his, um, quantities. So it's really yeah. like just filler content for the rest of it. So yeah, there's, they're good. And there's good and bad books. This is the best book that I, I think, you know, if you can see it, this one right here is like the best, uh, Japanese ramen book okay. that I found so far. It's like covers everything. Yeah, yeah, I found them all on Amazon. I was tempted to actually buy them and mm -hmm. see if I could get them translated somehow, but uh, yeah, no way. Well, if you ever want, if if you ever buy them, just ask me. Like, you, I have the books, and so I just you say, "Hey, can you translate this page for me?" And I'll translate it for you. No problem. <laughs> You're gonna be getting a lot of messages from me then. <laughs> it's kind of like my goal to translate that that gray book that um, it's called Ramen Gijutsu uh, Ramen Gijutsu Kyohon. It's like Ramen um, Technique Guidebook. It's my goal to translate that whole book for people because it's like packed with like really really good stuff, and so I'm kind of like kind of kind of going through it one at a time and trying out the recipes yeah. and. But it's like um, the, the problem with those books is they're made for restaurants. So the quantities are huge. You're for like 200 bowls of ramen. Oh, okay. So you're doing like, oh. like 20 kilos of pork bat, pork bones, <laughs> stuff like that, you know, it's trying yeah. to scale them down is the challenge because it, it does affect, mm. you know, like Mike kind of talked about it and um, we, we recorded a recent episode with him and um, Vin and Eric, um, some other people who are doing pop-ups in America. And they kind of talked about the differences between making ramen for like a mass amount of people and like yeah. hundred bowls versus five bowls and how the bones pushing on themselves, pushing on the weight of the bones, pushing down um, changes the way that they cook and affects the clarity of the soups and things like that. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's scaling those things down is my challenge or the challenge. It's been a challenge. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, this is an interesting question. So this is from Aziz uh, Alawadi 93. Um, he, he's asking, how do you make a good ramen dish in a country that doesn't have pork and alcohol? Cheers from Kuwait. I'm probably not the best person to ask <laughs> that one since <laughs> I only make uh, meat-based uh, or mostly pork. Uh, you can know, like a, you can yeah. use chicken. Uh, uh -huh. in, you can make a chicken shoyu, tori uh, jintan or tori python. Um, you don't necessarily need to use sake. Um, uh, to uh, to make a tare or to to make the marinades for the eggs or whatever like that, um, you can substitute things in instead of the sake. Um, I've seen people substitute in like a little bit of vinegar and uh, uh, maybe add some extra mirin or yeah. You don't okay. necessarily need alcohol or pork. You can still make some great ramen. Yeah, that's kind of like I get this question a lot on uh, my YouTube channel. Like, how do you cooking like halal ramen where they can't use alcohol and pork? And I, I was mm -hmm. like, okay, you can do tori pythons, you know, or tori chintans and show you ramen, but there's always sake in the tare, you know, and so I've been mm -hmm. trying to figure out like how to get around that. So, you, have you found that vinegar, a little bit of vinegar, is a good substitute for that? I don't know if it's a good, it's you call it a substitute. I mean, like I, I've, when I haven't had sake, uh, I Googled like what is a substitute and generally they come back, you know, with, you know, uh, one part uh, vinegar and three parts water or something like that. Okay. Um, just to give it a bit of acidity, I guess that the sake gives it, I mean, there's a lot more flavor in the sake that you won't get from just vinegar and water. Yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a challenge because like I, so I did a, python recently and i'm going to put up a video for that but 
I was like, oh yeah, this would be a good halal one, but yeah, the 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 sake and the and the tare is, and I I don't want to remake the tare without sake because it's a lot of ingredients and uh, mm. so I'm trying yeah, to. That's a tough one, I guess. But yeah. uh, just, uh, I mean, like like the restaurant and also I was telling you about. I mean, like mm-hmm. they don't use any uh, traditional uh, Japanese ingredients when they make their ramen uh, or mm-hmm. tares, and uh, you know, it is possible. You just, uh, yeah, just need to experiment and play around. I guess that's pretty cool because we had a pretty long discussion. I had a long discussion with Mike on his episode about making American ramen and is it possible to make a ramen without using any Japanese ingredients. And there's a place in, in Norway doing exactly that with yeah. Norwegian ingredients. Mm. Does yeah. this, so when you eat there, are you still tasting like when you taste it, it's like, yeah, this is still ramen because we're trying to figure out where that line is, where you kind of cross over from actually tasting and being ramen to this is not ramen anymore, but it still tastes good, but it's something completely different. But when you're, you're saying that when you go there and you eat that ramen, that's completely Norwegian ingredients and inspired by mm. Norwegian dishes, it still tastes and feels like ramen. To me, from the the, the ramen I've tasted, yeah, uh-huh. it, to me it still t- tastes like ramen. To me, oh, it's still cool. got those those uh yeah those things that, that you get from ramen. So uh, yeah, I I was blown away with how good it was. I was really surprised. Um, I wasn't sure what I was expecting when I heard it was just Norwegian ingredients, but uh. I mean, I think they use things like uh, Norwegian seaweed. I mean, like, uh-huh. you can get a lot of umami from that. Probably not as much as the Japanese varieties, but you know, they're, they're utilizing things like that. So you still get those kind of flavors, and and they're, they're using like fish, locally sourced fish, and uh, yeah, so you're getting those seafood flavors, and uh, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's different, get- but uh, it's, you still get that ramen feel. It gives me some hope that it's possible because I. I think that'd be pretty cool to create something in like in America where like there's there's so many different like America doesn't have its own cultural um, food culture yet it's still developing and stuff but to have like something that's an American ramen or like Australian ramen or whatever (laughs) wherever you are to create a ramen dish that's still ramen but heavily influenced on that cuisine yeah that's uh that's kind of been some of my inspiration sometimes is like Mm -hmm. looking at other cuisines and see if I can turn that into, into ramen. Um, mm-hmm. I've made a couple of strange bowls. I made a Mexican-inspired bowl that was uh, <laughs> you know, based on uh, Pozole uh, Mexican recipe. Um, oh, yeah, I think I've seen actually, that on Instagram. Yeah, that actually turned out really good. Oh, I had some, like, uh, Parmesan uh, wafers in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, that, that, was, that was my kimchi ramen. <laughs> uh, kimchi, you, you did a kimchi ramen, too? Yeah, I fermented my own kimchi. Uh, uh-huh. That was my first fermentation project. And uh, I used that kimchi uh, several months later and I, I made uh, my own kimchi ramen. And uh, oh. yeah, I added some uh, Parmesan in with that. I actually think I made a dashi, dashi from uh, Parmesan rinds as well. That's, the rinds from Parmesan are packed full of umami. Uh-huh. So I mixed that with a chicken, uh, a chintan, curry chintan. How did and, they come uh, out? Oh, great i was, I was <laughs> really really surprised <laughs> i was like this is probably gonna be awful but i was actually surprised at how good it was oh that's cool yeah that's i got a question from linda shucks you know what happened i think the uh, autocorrect changed her last name but so i just it's from linda some with level or something um okay. sorry about that linda where do you get the inspiration to create these not so traditional ramen recipes uh 
just my uh, I guess just my interest in cuisine and <laughs> the cuisines of the uh, different cultures. I just mm-hmm. you know I just like to look at other recipes from other cuisines and see can I turn that into ramen. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's pretty much my inspiration. I got another question that's kind of like a pretty good follow-up connected question from Nama Japan TV. Um, you seem to work a lot with tomatoes. Why do you do that and how did you come up with that? Well, um, I was reading the website, uh, Umami Info. Yep, it's a great website. <laughs> it's a great, yeah, it's a great source of it, uh, Umami and you know what Umami is. And, uh, you know, they have this, these great... Uh, uh, charts uh, of or lists of ingredients and uh, they uh, show how much uh, glutamate they have uh, for example and you know tomatoes was w- one of those um, ones that ranked up high um, especially very ripe tomatoes mm-hmm. and uh, and I heard that if you roasted them you could extract even more umami out of the tomatoes so it was just my idea just to try and incorporate them into uh, my miso tares and I even tried it in a shoyu tare and I, I mean you can't really taste the tomato i was just kind of throwing it in because i just wanted to boost up <laughs> the umami i just wanted to uh, yeah I, umami was like, good. I i read i was reading that website too and i was like that's after i read that website i don't know why but we had tomatoes i think i made hamburgers or something and i tasted the tomato by itself and i hated tomatoes as a kid and i think i figured out why it's because the, the umami in the tomato gives it like a raw fish taste a little bit um, if it, it's kind of a weird thing, like I, because we eat a lot of raw fish in Hawaii too, so I grew up eating raw fish. And but mm. if you eat like a, a really ripe raw tomato, um, it has that umami. The umami hits you, and it's almost like a raw fishy kind of taste. And I was like, oh, that's why I hated tomatoes as a kid, but now I, I love them. And yeah, um, how much do you know about the umami? I kind of talked with um, Madako about it in her episode, but she was talking about the balancing of like to create the ultimate umami bombs, you're balancing these different types of things because you've read the umami website. You kind of probably do know about the inosinates and the guanolate. Yeah, yeah I've, I've uh, read it in detail and I've tried to, you know, uh, replicate the, the ratios that they talk about. They say you should have golden ratio is a one-to-one with yeah, uh, yeah. the glutamate and the uh, ionis. Yeah, the, <laughs> the inosinate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, so yeah, um, have you, yeah. have you um, been able to do that? Like, um, like you, you, you um, measure, so you measure out a kombu, this size of kombu, and that has, it weighs this much. And so that has X amount of glutamates. And then you match that with the niboshi or some kind of other component. Have you been able to, able to do that? Yeah, I, I tried, but to, to be honest, I mean, you're, you're pretty much just kind of guessing at the end of the day, because you really yeah. have no idea how much of each compound is in each yeah, ingredient. Yeah. So um, unless you have some sort of device to actually like measure the levels of these, uh, <laughs> Like compounds, then uh, you, I, I think it's impossible to get the one-to-one golden ratio. But uh-huh. I guess through trial and error and lots of experimenting, you can uh, you can uh, see what works. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I've tried, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Do you, <laughs> I can't say I've succeeded. Uh, do you kind of um, when you're creating tares or soups or things? Do you are, are you thinking about that? Um, like you're like if I put this much kombu in, then I'm gonna have to try to balance that out, or is it kind of just it doesn't really you don't um, really think about that no I, I don't really think about it anymore i mean i, I used to try like figure out like you know how, how much uh, of each compound was in these ingredients how much i would need of each one to get this one-to-one ratio but like it was just like impossible like i need massive a massive amount of like uh 
katsubushi just to <laughs> get that same amount of glutamate that was in the the kombu yeah 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 so uh yeah i kind of gave up and i just kind of like tried to incorporate all three of the umami uh components mm-hmm. into my pare and uh yeah just <laughs> see what works and <laughs> hopefully it tastes good i have a question here from um Vegan Tanmen, he asks if you've ever made a bowl of vegan ramen or vegetarian ramen, or if you had to make one, what would you make? Um, I haven't, but I, I have tried to make a tare just from vegetables. Mm. Um, I think I found an article on uh, Serious Eats or uh, yeah, yeah. something like that. I think there's actually a YouTube video where they make uh, this, um, oh my gosh, what did I call it? <laughs> I can't remember. It's like this... Uh, um, and take, they roast a lot of uh, root vegetables. They, they shave them all down and they roast them all. And then they uh, they make a, sorry, it was a demi-glaze they made from root vegetables. Okay. So they uh, use a, a plane and they just uh, slice them all into the same thickness and then they roast them. So they start turning like kind of dark. And then uh, they put them all into a, a pot with some water and they just let it cook. And then they reduce that down and you get this like, really umami rich uh, demi glaze so I, I seen that and i was like ooh, i could uh probably make a tare or something out of that yeah, so, yeah. Uh, i i actually tried it um so i made that demi glaze and i just added some uh japanese flavors <laughs> mm-hmm. to it and uh, yeah it, it turned out okay i think i actually have the, the recipe on my uh, blog of uh, what i did to make it so yeah i should check that out because after so like the, the most requested things that i get a lot of times are um how to do a vegan ramen and it's like yeah. you, after you read the after you read the umami info website it's like i don't even know how you would do that because of the <laughs> the balancing the, the components you know like because you, you, you could technically in theory use guanolate from the shiitakes to balance the glutamate but dry shiitakes also have a ton of glutamate as well so you will never be able to yeah. balance it properly so i know yeah i think i ran into the same conclusion yeah. myself <laughs> yeah it's like oh like so yeah. they add they, they talk about it, like oh yeah you could use uh, guanolate to to balance as as how you balance it in a cyanide but it's like well the only place that you can get it is shiitake and dry shiitake mm. has like a thousand milligrams of glutamate and 30 grams of guanolate or something like it's some kind of like know, ridiculous ratio yeah. so you'll never it's be able to balance possible. it with shiitakes yeah but um, this guy, Vegan Tanman, he actually does only vegan ramen and his Instagram looks pretty amazing. So I'm trying to work with him yeah. to, to create some kind of vegan thing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's um, something I've thought about, but I, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, like my, I like my meat. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. And like and vegan ramen is like such a paradox too because ramen in itself is like junk food almost. You know, you're, it's uh, yeah. you know, high Healthy carb, ramen. high salt, high fat. <laughs> you know? yeah. And uh, vegan ramen yeah. is like healthy. Or maybe help me. Mm. I'm not sure, but that's cool. Yeah, I, I really want to do that though, because it's you know just something to try. Um, let's yeah, I'd, see. Love to try, I'd love to try something like that sometime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it seems like one of the ultimate challenges to me. I mean, I saw Kezo do like a. He recently has on his at his new pop up. He's doing the miso vegetarian uh, ramen, and it okay. looks it looks really really good. So I was like, oh yeah, that might be a good way to go. Miso because miso yeah. has a strong flavor and mm. to, like kind of. Yeah, I think if you're running a, a restaurant, I, mean, I think it's important to uh, mm-hmm. you know, cater for the, the vegans and the vegetarians. Mm-hmm. Do you ever think about doing pop-ups or anything in your area? 
Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there's much of a market for it where I live. Like I said, like a lot of people still don't really understand what, what ramen is, uh-huh. well, especially not where I live. Uh-huh. But yeah, it is something I would love to do. There's a, a chef I was talking to who lives in a, a city uh, not too far from where I, uh, I live. And uh, they do a lot of Japanese food and they also do ramen and stuff. And uh, we did talk about doing a pop-up pop one time mm. um, in the summer, but uh, yeah, and, Never really happened, but you never know. Maybe <laughs> oh, cool. it's definitely something I want to do. When when you say Japanese food in in Norway, what do people think about? Uh, I would say your average person would just think sushi. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, sushi is huge over here. Oh, really? Yeah, there's sushi restaurants everywhere. And when they say sushi, yeah, what we... are they talking about? Like rolls or like nigiri sushi, raw fish? Uh, they're totally yeah, raw fish. Uh, okay. Probably, yeah, probably mostly rolls. Yeah, I'd say. But um, there's actually a really good sushi restaurant here in my hometown. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, they, they they do everything. So, so it's a good place. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to hear the. I don't know, because like I grew up in Hawaii, and Hawaii is kind of like a weird place where, at one point in time, the state of Hawaii was, I think, sixty or seventy percent Japanese descendants. Okay. So. So like it's kind of like uh, everybody knows Japanese food and eats Japanese food here, but yeah. you know I was talking to James in Wales and he talks about like how people don't eat raw fish at all and they get kind of scared of fish things and some other places uh, too. But you know in Norway for some reason they're okay with eating raw fish and uh, yeah, well they eat a lot of strange things over here. And, like, <laughs> fish is a big part of their uh, cuisine over here. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, yeah. I don't think it's uh, too scary for the Norwegians to eat any fish. That's awesome. Very cool. Um, let's see what else I got here. Is oh, is this is this your account too? By the way, this faux dojo kind of account. Is that the logo? <laughs> the logo looks almost exactly like your account, like your logo. Um, no, it's not me. It's uh, I did make the logo. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> like. <laughs> It's, a, it's actually my brother. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, because he's asking about chashu too. Where did you learn to make excellent chashu? And that makes a lot of sense because he's going to talk <laughs> yeah. you how to make it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that would be him. <laughs> okay. Because at yeah, first I, my brother's kids. Oh, I saw, I, yeah, I saw the, uh, I saw the, I was like, wait a minute. Is this, is this Jonathan asking himself a question? That, uh, <laughs> yeah, I was thinking people might think that when they see me reposting your stories. It's like, it's just trying to like, you know, Market his new page or something. <laughs> now he asked me to make the logo for him. So okay. Do you have like a background <laughs> in graphic graphic design or something? Or uh, no, I'm actually a software developer and I do a lot of web development. So oh, I have I done design work. Ah, okay, so okay, I, yeah, yeah. I don't really have background in graphic design, but I do like to play around for the yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, so. yeah, yeah. I know. I uh, when I graduated from college, I was a web. I was, you know, well, I'm I'm old, so. When we got out, it was like you're a web designer, and that meant you do you did everything from design to coding and everything. So that's kind of similar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now, now that now that's the cool way to say it. You know, now you're called a full stack full stack developer. (laughs) But back then, you were called a web designer, and you did the design, the coding, the the deployment, the customer support, and everything. You know, kind of like how um entrepreneurs were called businessmen like 30 years ago. You Mm -hmm. know. Now you have now you're cool words for these things, but uh, uh, full stack is such a bullshit term. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, a full stack developer. Yeah. Yeah. But, they, but people put that on their resumes as like, oh yeah, 
I'm a full stack developer. Wow. I can do everything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Make your entire website in JavaScript. No problem. <laughs> Let's see what else you got here. Oh, I was, I, so that, that was kind of interesting. I thought that was you too, but oh, it's cool. So is your brother a full? Does your brother make full? Is that what he does? Or fuh? Yeah, well, that, that was his idea. That yeah. yeah, he makes a lot of fuh. Fuh, yeah. Fuh? Fuh, fuh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep I I know it's pronounced fuh, but every time I see the word and I read it, I read it as foe because I can't just, not. Re- just kind of sounds it. wrong to say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he's a uh, he makes a lot of foe. Oh, okay. But uh, he ma- yeah he loves Asian food and uh, so he's just starting to post his uh his own stuff awesome. now things that he makes yeah. So, oh, awesome, awesome. Yeah, let's check just out getting started. <laughs> yeah, check out his account. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is your brother in um, Norway too, or is he still in Ireland? No, he still lives in Ireland. In oh, Dublin. Okay. Yeah. oh, very cool. Okay. Hmm. Let's see. What is your opinion of duck ramen? This is from Gandalfism. Duck ramen. This is something I really want to try. I haven't got around to trying yet. Uh, I really like duck myself. And I've seen so many nice photos on Instagram of Duck ramen, and I really want to try it, but uh, the problem is, is that uh, my partner she uh, does not like duck. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> um, that's probably one of the reasons I haven't made it yet, but uh-huh. I will get around to making it one day. Yeah, I, don't, I haven't really eaten too much duck in my life, other than like Chinese roast duck. But like, what are the? I know a lot of people do like it. Like, is it a vastly different flavor from chicken? Like, I, I'm I'm very inexperienced with eating duck. Um, I'd say it's more kind of. Uh, people say this all the time. It's more gamey, uh-huh. but it, I guess it has more has a lot more flavor to it uh, mm-hmm. for me anyway. And uh, there's a lot more fat uh, on the duck too. Mm-hmm. Um, but to me, it just has a lot more flavor. Uh, it's it's a bit different than than chicken, yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I think I saw that the the meat is more red than chicken. Yeah, it's like it's darker. kind of dark dark yeah. meats, yeah. yeah. You kind of cook it at uh, kind of medium rare as well. Oh. You serve it like that, so oh. it's kind of pink in the middle. Oh. Yeah. Whereas chicken, you have to make sure it's cooked through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do that chicken uh, raw chicken thing in Japan, and I can't eat that stuff. It's so hard. More chicken. Yeah, they they like. I guess they like. Po- they like blanch the outside to kill the germs, and then they cut all of that off, and then they just serve the chicken raw in some places. It's okay. really, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to eat. Uh, I think I'd have to watch a few people eat it first and make sure. Yeah. That yeah. In in Japan, I've actually eaten um one of the things that I in Japan that I didn't think I was gonna like, but actually really liked was raw horse. I didn't think I was oh, gonna like horse. that at all. Yeah, they 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 yeah. cut up horse like sashimi, like um, yeah. and they serve that. It's really good. What does that taste like? It's like um like a really clean prosciutto. Okay. Without okay. without the salt, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. Like you get that savoriness from the prosciutto or like a cured mm. ham, but you don't have the salt, and so you when and when so when you dip it in soy sauce and stuff, it just is like it's really good. I didn't think I was gonna like it, but it was really all good. Right. Yeah. Put it on my list when I go to <laughs> yeah yeah it's called basashi it's really good yeah but you got to get a good place though if you if you have like a i'm sure if you order like low quality raw horse it's probably not very good but we went to like yeah. a nice place and we got it it was amazing uh, horse it's never something i thought about eating <laughs> yeah i never th- i wasn't going to order it either but my friends ordered it so i was like okay i guess i'll try it too and it was amazing yeah. let's see i think what my plan is when i eventually go to japan is that i'm just 
you want to try everything <laughs> i know like we there's some um there's a couple of I have to uh ramen i don't know if you know them on instagram but ramen uh addict and hella ramen mm. they're in japan right now and they're just like they'll be they, following yeah yeah they look like they're eating like five or six bowls of ramen a day just crushing it i know it's crazy <laughs> is that what you plan to do too when you go or is it more like oh try well, everything sushi and everything yeah i mean i want to try everything I, as much ramen as i can but i mean <laughs> there's only so much i can uh, get in in one day i think yeah 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 What's your what's your go to sushi order when you go to eat sushi? Ah, uh, my gosh, I don't really know. I don't go too often, to be honest. So, uh, <laughs> uh, whatever <laughs> looks good that I haven't yeah. tried before. Yeah, whenever I get to a restaurant, I always like to try something that I haven't tried before. Ah, uh, uh, there's some good stuff in Japan. I hope, yeah, I hope you can go soon because it's an experience. Yeah, me too. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully soon. Mm-hmm see i think let me try to check i'm checking through if i missed any questions here i think we kind of got through most of them uh that's great for podcasting is dead air let's see uh, i think <laughs> all, um i think you kind of answered this question already in the beginning but um how did you learn what oh, says like how did you gain your understanding of making ramen? Like you seem to have such a good understanding of making ramen. This is from the official Bill Hader. I, I don't think it's actually Bill Hader, but it's his <laughs> Instagram account. <laughs> but uh, uh, like what, what, well, I guess you've been making ramen for a, for a while now, you know, t- uh, five years or so. Like, is like, could you explain like how you, where these, the understanding of making ramen came from? Uh, trial and error. Uh. <laughs> making a lot of mistakes, reading as much as I can find online, watching every video I could find on YouTube, mm-hmm. just trying to consume as much as I could and just try to use that knowledge and put it into what I was making. Um, but yeah, I mean, the best advice I can give is just just keep trying and just, you know, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, you're going to make a lot of terrible ramen, but uh-huh. each time you fail and you make something terrible, you learn something from it that you can carry over <laughs> to, to your next role. Uh, so that's that's been a, the biggest learning aid for me is just you know making mistakes uh-huh. what would you recommend for like someone who's brand new to making ramen to be their first bowl of ramen that they make uh well i don't i can't recommend it tonkotsu <laughs> that seems to be what everybody goes for right away you know like i'm gonna make tonkotsu like just yeah. just like the tonkotsu ramen i had at a restaurant they go for that no, it was pre- pretty hardcore <laughs> standing over a pot of pork bones for 12 to 16 hours uh-huh. um no i don't know maybe like a miso ramen or something like that uh i think there's a lot of recipes online for miso ramen mm-hmm. um or just this shoyu ramen mm-hmm. uh, something like that yeah just uh, keep it simple start somewhere <laughs> yeah yeah do you yeah. use pressure cookers at all when you're with your cooking or you kind of just straight boil for 15 hours or whatever Chintan, six, uh, hour, six, eight hours. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. I just put it in the pot and I uh, stand over it at the whole <laughs> <laughs> Making sure it doesn't boil. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when I'm I, making a chintan, like I want it to be, I'm obsessed with making it as clear as possible. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, I just like constantly keep my eye on it. I, I've yeah. thought about getting a pressure cooker, but to be honest, uh, I don't know, they're incredibly expensive. And I kind of like standing over the stock. It's kind of mm-hmm. a process. and. 
get to see it develop and get to take care of it. And I don't know. I just, I enjoy it. Yeah. I, I recently made ramen for my family. I went, I went to um, visit my family, uh, extended family on a different Island and they didn't have a pressure cooker. I was just planning to do pressure cooker, like a quick ramen, but they didn't have one. So I did like the standing over the pot for six hours yeah. thing. And they're watching me and they're like, oh my God, I feel so bad for you. But I was, I was telling them, this is like my playing golf. You know, like some people go and play golf for fun. Yeah. Like me standing over a yeah, pot dude. for six hours is my playing golf. I was trying to explain to them. but They, <laughs> they just yeah. could not understand how that could be fun. But yeah, it's the same for me. It's like yeah. it's relaxing, you know, it's a switching off and time out from work and everything else. So yeah, yeah. I don't mind it. So are you, are you typically making your ramen after hours? Like you, you get home from your job, eat, eat dinner with your family and then you doing it after that or is it more like a weekend thing or when are you I'd say it's, it's it more in? like a more like a weekend thing mm-hmm. uh yeah i usually use most of my weekends uh making ramen stuff but i might start some of the stuff during the week like i might make the noodles a couple of days before or make the eggs the night before or start the chashu a couple of days before uh-huh. just so i have that ready for weekend because it's, it's it's too much to do all in one day or uh-huh. Sometimes even one weekend if you want to have it on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. your partner okay with eating so much ramen? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think she gets a bit sick of it sometimes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, for the most part, she, uh, she seems to enjoy it. Yeah, but at least my, she's I, just entertaining me on my hobby. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like I, I have the same thing because I, I, I know that ramen is not my wife's favorite food. And so like, I try not to make her eat it all the time. But uh, yeah, so I... Yeah. I and so, but that's kind of like the ultimate test. Like if she eats and she's like, oh, it's pretty good. Then I kind of know that it must've been okay because it's not like she, there's people that love ramen. They'll eat any kind of ramen and uh, mm. think like, oh, so that's great. But yeah, um, she's not one of those people. So my kid and my wife don't like to eat ramen very often. So it's just, yeah, just me most of the time. Well, uh, my, my partner, she's a bit of a picky eater. And uh, mm-hmm. so uh, if she likes it, then I'm pretty sure it's a, it must be okay or yeah, pretty good yeah. if, she, yeah. if she enjoys it. How, how do you know if you're getting good at making ramen because i think we're kind of similar in the sense that we're kind of isolated a little bit where mm. there's not like you know people in like Kazo in new york city has his there's people all around him that are like you know eric from menya hosaki goes and works with him and scotty drives down um to work with him and stuff so they're kind of tasting great ramen all the time but for us who are so isolated, like how do we know that we're getting better and making better ramen? Is it just our own personal? Like the thing that I'm most afraid of is <laughs> I spend all this time in making ramen. I think it's pretty good, and then I, uh, as someone who actually knows ramen, tastes it, and it's like this is fucking terrible. You know, like that's the yeah. greatest, <laughs> that's the greatest sphere. So how do you know? Like how do you personally know that you're getting better at this and it's starting to taste good and things? I guess you really don't. I mean, you're, uh-huh. you're kind of living in your own kind of bubble, but uh-huh. I guess you're making your own kind of version of ramen that, that you enjoy. And I mean, mm-hmm. as long as you're enjoying it and the people you're giving it to are enjoying it, then I think that's a, that's, that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you go to a proper ramen place and you have a proper bowl, you know, that, that's kind of when you kind of get a smack in the face and you're like oh shit yeah <laughs> and uh, you kind of go back to the drawing board and then uh, yeah kind of what inspires me to yeah, try harder and try new things uh-huh. would you but, uh, how for would me ha- that's 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 the that's the, the smack of reality to go to a restaurant and find some bubble ramen. Uh, that, yeah that's my problem is there's no good ramen restaurants here so 
okay. I don't get that reality check as often as I should. I should actually take a trip to Japan or something and go taste some really, uh, really good stuff. How would you rate your ramen now compared to the the restaurants around you and things? You don't you you don't have to be uh, modest. You can just give the honest <laughs> answer. <laughs> um, I don't know. Pretty good. I think I've uh, I've gotten close to uh, you know the the types of bowls that they're they're putting in. Um, sometimes I <laughs> make my own bowls. I'm like, hmm, shit, that was actually better than the one I had. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't happen all the time, but yes, sometimes I think I'm, you know, getting, getting pretty good. Yeah, good and then, stuff. Uh, yeah, I make a terrible ball, and I'm like, shit, I know nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can, I can definitely identify with that. Like, it's such a confidence killer when you, when you're, you, so sometimes like I, I feel like I go on a roll, like, oh yeah, like, like I, I put out, like I, I make something and it tastes really good, and then I do another one, another style or something that's a little bit different, and like that tasted good too. I'm. I'm untouchable. I'm unstoppable. And then you, you get that <laughs> shit. That, the next bowl is just a pile of dog crap, you know? And it's like, yeah. uh, no idea what you did wrong. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I did wrong. And it just tastes terrible. So, yeah, yeah it's humbling. It's I know really nothing. Humbling yeah. 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 It's all part of the fun, though, I think. Yeah, yeah. That's the fun part. But yeah. yeah. All right, man. I think I don't have any other questions for you. This has been oh. really fun. Um, I know yeah, it's it getting kind of late for you in Norway, too. So I don't want to keep you up too late. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah, nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, oh, thanks tell, for having tell, me on. Yeah, tell everybody where they can find you, like your blog, your Instagram, and what, any, anything else. Yeah, if you want to take a look at my blog, it's uh, a bit out of date, kind of old recipes one, just from when I was getting started out, but it's moreramen.com. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram, of course, uh, moreramen. All right. Yeah. Thank you very much, Jonathan. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much to Jonathan for coming on the show. As someone who's also pretty isolated when it comes to ramen making, it was great to finally meet somebody who understands the struggle. Please give him a follow on Instagram at moreramen and check out his blog, moreramen.com for his recipes. He has that great recipe for chashu that he was talking about in the episode. It's right there at the top right now. So if you go check it out, it's right there. It's easy to find. If you like this episode or if you like this podcast, please consider subscribing uh, on whatever platform you're using, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whatever it is. And please consider leaving a review. That helps us out a lot too. Helps other people find the podcast. And you can find me as always on Instagram at Ramen. Please give me your suggestions there for any kind of guests you want to see on the show. And please check out my YouTube channel as well. I think I'm getting a little better making ramen. Probably not, but you can search The Way of Ramen on YouTube and I'll show up there. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support and I'll see you guys all in the next episode. Peace.